Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 168, and I'm talking with Kristen Garzone. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Generation You Can. Guys, I just did my first 16-mile long run uh, leading up to the Boston Marathon, and I had some You Can pre-run, so I had the Chocolate Energy Performance so, so solid. I truly believe in this product. And I actually, I don't advocate this necessarily, but I didn't take any fuel or anything during my run. It's pretty cold out here in Indianapolis and um, it was like 30 degrees and I did 16 miles. I was really hungry when I got back, but I'm telling you the, the energy performance sustained me for that run. Like I didn't have any major dips where I was like, I really feel like I need something. Now, normally on a 16-mile run, I might take a gel, but today I didn't, and I actually did just fine. Uh, So I highly recommend their products. I'm using them throughout my Boston training. I use their uh, energy performance before a long run, and then I use the hydrate packs either during a long run. So had I done that long run on a treadmill, I would have had uh, the hydrate packs in my water. I would have shaken that up into my water and had that throughout the run. I wasn't sweating too crazy much in the 30 degree weather. Uh, But then I did have some after my run, I used the hydrate packs. I also really love their anytime bars. You can have them anytime. (laughs) Uh, But check them out, you guys. And I'm also going to be doing something really fun with them in Boston coming up. That'll be announced pretty soon. And and I'm going to be doing a meetup in Boston too. So anyway, you guys check out Generation You Can. Just go to generationyoucan.com slash another And you can use the code ANOTHER19 to get 15% off your order and free shipping. All right, guys. Today's episode with Kristen is a really good one. I've been following Kristen on Instagram for quite some time. She is the mom of one, the sweet Ellie. She has run seven marathons. She's training for the main marathon right now, hoping to break four hours. We talk about her career, her husband's career, and... Uh, just her running goals, uh, trying to break four hours in the marathon. I feel like that's something that a lot of people are trying to do, man. And she works really hard to run these times. And I'm excited to see what she's going to do at the main marathon. She's running that race for every mother counts. Uh, another thing that's really important in this conversation and in Kristen's mission in life, honestly, is talking about postpartum depression and anxiety. We talk about that quite a bit in this episode. Um, I've dealt with postpartum anxiety a lot, and uh, Kristen herself has dealt with that as well, as well as postpartum depression. And she had a close friend of hers who actually lost her life to postpartum depression. So she's kind of made it her life's mission to get the word out to support people and get help if you need help if you think you are struggling with that. So you can follow Kristen over on Instagram. Her Instagram is M-E-L-L-A-N-K, where she talks about that a lot. And uh, also, she recently wrote an article for Wazelle that went pretty viral about her postpartum journey and her relationship with her friend Kristen, who lost her life, that I think you guys should all read. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So anyway, guys, enjoy my conversation with Kristen. It's happy. It's sad. It's all the things. And I know you're going to love getting to know her as I did. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Kristen Garzone joining us. Thanks for joining. I'll have another Kristen. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan. Aw, thanks. Well, 
my friend Ashley Fizzerati has been nudging me to get you on the show for a long time. And finally, I'm doing it. I'm really excited. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I got to meet Ashley Running Bun um, when I was in New Jersey over the summer, um, which was awesome. She's the best. So she, very cool. She is the real deal. <laughs> well, you recently, Kristen, wrote an article that I feel like it went pretty viral. Is that would that be true to say? Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I still can't even believe that. But, um, you know, Wazel reached out to me. It was a Friday night. I was on the couch drinking wine with my husband. And I got the email and I was very taken back. They had asked me to write about my experience with postpartum depression. They actually told me I could write whatever I wanted or felt that I would want to write about. But um, that's kind of what the, caught their eye. And I got to write that blog for them. And it did the the feedback and everything was just, it was amazing. So pretty well, cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. And I had been following you before that article came out, but then I saw the article and I'm like, man, she is doing really good things. So, all right, Kristen. So let's have everybody get to know you a little bit. You're the mom of one. You're married to Steve, who we have to hear the story. You picked him up at a bar. Um, <laughs> you have to dive into that because if people have been listening for a while, they know one of my favorite things to do is hear how people met their significant others. You also work full time, which. Yes. Tell, yep. us, so, tell us what you do. Um, so I was a claims adjuster for an insurance company for seven years. I worked from home. And now I work for the state. It's been about four years. So I work in claims um, in our risk management department. So what did you go to school for? Um, I went to school for business and finance. I actually I my first two years of college, I was pre-law um, political science major. I realized somebody, one of my professors asked, why do you want to be a lawyer? And I kind of like drew a blank mm. and panicked. So I went to <laughs> business. So um I ended up in business and then uh, minor in political science. So that was your red light. That's funny because that happens. People will say, well, why do you actually want to do this? Are you just doing it because you're checking off a box? Like, what's the real reason? And then if you can't find a good one. Exactly. Yeah. And after that meeting, I literally like walked to the registrar's office and was like, hi, I need to drop this class and change my um, major. <laughs> so it was early sophomore year. So that was good. <laughs> So is this like, is this career that you're doing right now, is this something you want to do long term? Like, what's your vision long term? I'm always curious to see what people want to do with their, with their careers. Um, so, you know, I got thrown into insurance. It, you know, the insurance industry is a great, you know, they always, it's job security. They always need new people. So I was lucky to work for a company, um, Cincinnati Insurance, that hired me right out of college. And I loved it. It's just I knew I couldn't be a claims adjuster forever. And when I had this opportunity with a public authority for the state, you know, it's got great benefits. It's a great company to work for. And I actually felt like my background um, and my experience actually was sort of rain like kind of a greater good. So I really do think I'll end up staying where I am now and just hopefully, you know, moving up the corporate quote unquote ladder and <laughs> I really do like what I do and um, I get to kind of touch the business that I'm in a bunch of different ways. So it is, I think it's a good fit for me. So. And so, and what does your husband do? I just trying to get a picture of your life, your everyday <laughs> um, life. 
So my husband works for an auto pricing software company. He is in um, sales and marketing. He used to travel. um, I mean, when we first bought our house and got together, he was traveling every other week, Mm. which was really hard. So luckily, he got a really good promotion. He loves what he does. He's great at what he does. He only has to travel a handful of times. Um, And then also, he is a varsity basketball coach. Um, this was, he just finished up his second year and very proud of him. He does so well. He's just so good with the kids. Um, but I am selfishly very happy that the season (laughs) is done as he's currently sitting downstairs watching Ellie and I can kind of have my life back after work. So, (laughs) I mean, that's a big commitment. Like doing, being a high school basketball coach, varsity team. It's huge. And the thing is, is so when I first met Steve, who was coaching modified, He moved up to JV, and then actually when I, um, when Ellie had just turned one, they had offered him the varsity position, and we knew it was going to be a lot, but for me, Steve is so supportive of all my running, and he never, like, holds me back, so for me to sit there and say, hey, you can't coach basketball because it's going to be too much, that kind of seemed unfair, and it's, you know, always been a dream of his, and he really, like, he makes like I love going to the games I mean I don't go to as many games as I did um but he really like loves it and the kids love him and it's it's just really cool so and we kind of envision like Ellie growing up going to practices oh I love it the guys are like so cute with her so and she's got her little you know um the golden Knights. she has like her own gear and it's it's really cool so it's definitely hectic and adds a crazy spin to life but it's nice so and he loves it I hear what you're saying so hard because my husband just went back to school to get his MBA and like selfishly, I was like, I don't want you gone that long, but in that often, but I had to, I had to put it in my mind, like how much he supports my dream with my podcast. And, and also like you were saying, um, how supportive your husband is with your running, like he's the same with my running. So it's like, man, you got to let each other's dreams evolve, you know? Exactly. Like 110%. And like, a big thing for me, like, you know, before or when I was pregnant with Ellie is I always told like Steve, I was like, you know, I very much want us to still be us. Like, I don't want like, you know, having a kid changes your life. But for the most part, I was like, I still want to be us as people and we have to be. So, you know, it, I couldn't say, no, you can't coach. It's too much. And then, you know, drag him across the country or drag him to all these races, you know, so but don't worry, like, you know, I was good this year, though. I only had a couple breakdowns and they really came at the end of the season where, you know, I really like <laughs> wanted to kill him. Um, but so we got through. So, yeah, now it's back to kind of our normal, crazy life without basketball. So. <laughs> so, OK, you've ran seven marathons. Yes. Yes. I um, I still can't even believe it. I actually so I'm training for my eighth right now. I'm training for. Um, the um, shipyard main um, marathon on May 11th and actually I wrote today on a post like training for my eighth marathon and I had to literally like count in my head because I was like that can't be right so it's crazy it just became this um, you know as I mentioned before awkwardly in the beginning um, I was an athlete my whole life and I always had um, running marathon running a marathon on my bucket list um I ran my first one in 2012, vowed I would never run another one again, (laughs) got into New York City Marathon 2014, and ever since then, I kind of slowly fell in love with the crazy obsession that is marathon running, so. 
<laughs> yeah, and so I feel like we hear about soccer players turning into marathon runners quite a bit. So you grew up playing soccer. That was your first love. Where did you go to school? Because you played in college. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so I went to um, Hartwood College, which is in Oneonta, New York, where it's about from where I live now, it's about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, but it actually is the um, the home of the Soccer Hall of Fame, oh. which is actually really cool. Um, you know, so it was a D3 program. Um, and but Oneonta is such a huge soccer town. I mean, there was Mayor's Cup, which is the longest um, lasting collegiate soccer tournament and like the whole city it's like built around like this weekend and you know they have a parade and there's like a brunch with the mayor before the games start off so it was kind of cool um I loved playing soccer my whole life and to play in college was always a dream um so it was amazing to play out there for four years and kind of really get that soccer experience um and then one other like really cool tidbit is um, for any women soccer fans out there. But, you know, I grew up as Mia Hamm was my inspiration. I loved her. And so my senior year was when Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm were inducted into the Hall of Fame. So we actually got to see them play um, kind of they had like a like a showcase game. So that was really cool. So that was like your dream come true as a young, it, young soccer player. It, it really was. So it's really awesome. That's like for all the runners out there, if they were to see Shalane Flanagan get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No. So it was really cool having, you know, in the Hall of Fame right there. And it's actually cool when our fields, not cool, but when the fields would get rained out, we'd actually play our games at the Hall of Fame. So they have a bunch of fields there. So, yeah. Okay. So tell me about being able to travel to Brazil and Norway to play, because that seems kind of... I mean, do most college soccer players get to travel uh, <laughs> to different countries to play? I don't. So I actually, um, I traveled to Norway when I was just shy of 16. Um, I was on a New York State team that traveled to Norway um, for 10 days for, uh, it's called the Norway Cup. It was the um, a youth tournament. So we got to go to Bergen for a couple of days. And then um, the tournament was in Oslo. Um, my stepdad went with me because my mom was not going to let me fly across mm -hmm, the world mm -hmm. by myself. So yeah, props to him for going with a bunch of teenage girls across the world. Yeah, it sounds um, awful, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, it's like, and I'm sure people can relate, but like looking back now, like I'm so mad at myself because I feel like I was so stuck in that bratty teenage year where it was like, you know, I missed my friends and like, I didn't have any connection to like my friends at home. So I was like, kind of like, not miserable, but kind of like looking back now, I'm like, Oh, I could slap you. Like you had so much to like experience and you were like miserable half the time. Uh -huh. You didn't even know what you had. Exactly. Um, but then my freshman year of college, um, our coach set up a program where we actually went to Brazil to train down there. Um, we were, we went to Rio and then we were in La Mera and then we were in Sao Paulo, which, um, Sao Paulo is where, um, Oh, God. Well, Sao Paulo FC, which is like a really big Brazil um, club down there. So we got to tour the stadium and stuff like that. So we were down there for um, Hartwick was on tri-semester. So we were down there for break after J term. So it was a really cool experience. Um, unfortunately, though, I have to pull out this disclaimer that I've never actually played in Brazil, though, because 
weeks before that, I tore my ACL. Oh, so. <laughs> bummer. Yeah, but it was an amazing experience. And I, I, if anyone, I would never have the opportunity to go to Brazil. So thank you, soccer, for all of that. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where at your your 32-year-old self, you're looking back and realizing what an opportunity that was. I mean, I have a cousin who is just graduated college and she's um, just living in, in uh, China for a year. I think she's in Shanghai. I don't know where she is. She's somewhere in China, but like she's just there for a year because she can. And like, you know, she doesn't have any other responsibilities or obligations. She's working as a teacher, but um, it's just one of those things where it's like, man, do that while you're young, because if not now, when? That's amazing. Like, exactly. And like, that's, you know, I really do wish, like, if I didn't have those opportunities for soccer, like, I would have never traveled. And, like, now looking back, like, that is a regret of mine. Like, I would, like, I'm so lucky I found, like, a really good job out of college. But um, I do wish I took time to travel or kind of just do those things that, you know, people get to do sometimes. So Well, yeah, and, like, before kids. So, hey, I know there's a decent amount of college-age people that listen to the show and younger yeah. younger athletes that listen to this show so go do something exciting before uh wait, definitely before you decide or think about having babies because it's far more complicated <laughs> once that happens I agree and and it's actually kind of funny because I've like gotten to this mindset like I keep like sharing on Instagram that I'm like 2019 is like the year of travel for me because mm-hmm. I really do like I keep saying like my husband like we're not saying no to anything we're like doing things like because honestly like to like we uh, I'm very lucky my you know both of our parents are very like they fight over who's gonna take Ellie That's so I'm amazing. like we might as well take advantage of that and like start doing more things like you know they you keep seeing things on Facebook that it's like it's more about experience and not oh, things totally. like starting to be a firm believer in that so well yeah and while you have one because here's the deal when you have (laughs) one people people will watch your kids when you have two they'll still watch your kids when you get three you're screwed I mean you're just screwed when you have four it's not even like an option like you have to split everybody up we're actually I'm going to uh New York to do a live a live podcast in a couple weeks and Glenn, my husband decided to come with me just for a weekend away. And it's a, there's a very strong chance that we're going to just have to bring the baby because nobody wants a baby, especially when they're watching three other kids, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's amazing that you guys are going to do that, you know, but I, and I just have to say power to you because I can't like even imagine life with like more than one kid. So <laughs> to have four and have a life and be doing all these things, like, how are you guys? That's amazing. So, well, and that's the other thing. Like, I don't want people to take it the wrong way that you can't do travel and you can't do all these things once you have kids because you certainly can. It's just financially, like, kids are yeah. expensive, right? And then finding child, you know, finding childcare while you travel is also expensive or can be. So, um, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, no doubt, especially as our kids get a little bit older, we'll be able to to travel more and have more freedom with that. It's just that, like watching someone's baby and toddler is a lot. I mean, the big boys are fine, but, um, anyway, well, yeah. So people that are young, go travel, go do your thing and then try. And then you can keep traveling, but, but live it up now. All right. So you're, you're training for the main marathon for your eighth marathon. And tell us about time goals. Tell us about your history with, 
um, with that. Like you ran your first, you know, we all run our first marathon usually just to run a marathon, right? But then we start getting competitive with ourselves. So tell everybody kind of your timeline of, of what your times in marathons look like and what your goals are. All right. Um, so I ran my first one just to finish. Um, when I ran New York City, um, it was that uh, it was back in 2014 when it was like the ridiculous winds and it was like real feel of 20 and it was miserable. Ugh. So I ran that in probably like a 4:52, and I think from that, when I started running marathons and training, I was kind of like, you know what, I- I'm not, I'm not going to be a fast marathoner. I'm just going to train to run these marathons and enjoy it, and it'll be fine. So I was pretty much a 4:20, 4:30 marathoner. Um, and then my fifth marathon, I actually, um, started training and found out I was pregnant day two of the training cycle. Um, I always told my husband that I would never run when I was pregnant. And then, you know, much to a surprise, of course, we went to the initial visit and I said, okay, my husband's going to kill me, but can I run this marathon? (laughs) Um, so God bless him for, you know, being supportive through that. Um, so I ran my fifth marathon, um, 20 weeks pregnant with Ellie, which is an amazing um, memory that I will forever cherish. That's a big Um, deal too, because man, training through your first trimester, that's hard. Yes. And you know what? A lot of people ask me this. I get a lot of messages. It's like, how did you do it? Like, I'm always so tired. I felt sick. Like I was very nauseous all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually was hospitalized my first trimester because of dehydration. Um, But I think it was just like, for me, running was the only way I felt myself. And like, honestly, I didn't feel as sick when I was moving, like the rest of the day was hell. But, um, so if you're a pregnant runner out there and you're in your first trimester and you really want to run and you just feel like crap, like, I mean, listen to your body, obviously, but you know, sometimes it does make you feel better. Um, yeah. It's just getting so, out the door. That's hard when you feel exactly. so tired. Yeah. Um, so then, um, you know, um, I then, um, had Ellie and I signed up for a couple of halves, but in my mind, so I remember the Chicago marathon, the lottery opening and me saying to Steve, like, you know what? Like, I'm going to put my name in like the worst thing that happens is I get in. Well then, you know, fast forward at like four 20 in the morning, I'm like pumping about to go to the gym and I find out I get in. So I'm like running into the room, like Steve, 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 I got into the Chicago marathon. He's like, Oh my God, I don't care. You know, like I want to go back to bed. Um, so I had these big, you know, I was like, okay, this is like my postpartum comeback. This is going to be like just me getting back to the marathon. And, um, actually right before I started training, I ran, um, the Buffalo half, which, is a very special race to me because that was the marathon I ran for, um, with Ellie. So it was kind of like full Mm, circle mm kind of thing. So how far postpartum were you when you found out you got into Chicago? I was two months postpartum. Okay. So you're new. Okay. Yes. Very much new. Um, and that's kind of just when I was like anxious just to get back to being me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know, I'll have a big goal. It'll cause me to like focus on it, keep running. Um, so when I ran Buffalo and I was a little over six months postpartum, um, I ended up breaking my half PR by two and a half minutes. Um, and that right there is kind of what sparked this thought that I could actually push a marathon. So that's when the sub four goal for me, that's the big goal I'm chasing right now, um, really got into my mind. Um, I started working with Tony with Relentless Runners, who I've been with since then. 
um, who I absolutely love. And, you know, I had a really hard race in Chicago. I ran a four sixteen, So I took about 10 minutes, over 10 minutes off. Um, I had some health issues, health issues going on. Um, I have a weird eye thing called uveitis and I had to have glaucoma surgery. So, um, I was dealing with that this past summer and training, um, got to the start line, thankfully, and ended up running a 405, which again, um, amazing PR, very happy with. So that brings me here where we are still fighting for that sub four. And I'm hoping that this is the year. If it's not, I'm going to keep fighting, but I think that it might be, this might be the time. I hope it's the time. So (laughs) At at the main marathon. Yep. At the main marathon. So, and I'm running for every mother counts, um, not to keep going on, but this is like, so kind of to backpedal or go, if you follow my Instagram, you know, um, that last year with the help of Kelly from more miles, um, more fun, we put together this virtual race called run to believe in honor of my friend, Kristen, who passed away from postpartum depression. Um, and it was her birthday weekend, um, which was also mother's day weekend. So we did that on her birthday and we're doing it again. And actually the date is May 11th, which is the marathon, the day that I'm running my marathon and also again, Mother's Day weekend. So we are going to launch that race. We're in, we're working right now with, I'm working with Kelly and every mother counts to kind of get um, the race posted, but um, I'm also raising money um, to kind of coincide with that. So that's why there's a lot of like special meaning behind this and running for every mother counts and going for that sub four. So hopefully it all falls into place. So tell me, um, your friend more miles, more fun. What, what is, what is her, how does she play into this? So Kelly is a mom of two. She's awesome. Amazing. She is, she puts on virtual races, um, runs to, raise money to donate to charities. So she did the, like the big ones, there was that run for Texas that they did and the run for Florida when the hurricane hit, um, you know, she does virtual runs. She just did a wine one. So basically she just kind of does these virtual runs that people can sign up for, um, kind of brings the community together. Yeah. So if you have never checked her out on Instagram, definitely do. Cause, um, she sets up a lot of cool races and, you know, all of them have meaning behind them and that money's donated, you know, all the proceeds are donated. So it's really cool. And um, so with everything going on, we had kind of talked about putting together this race and she helped make it happen last year. And we ended up working with Stephanie from Every Mother Counts. Um, so we actually just had a phone call with her yesterday and we're hoping, you know, we want to keep this run um an annual thing, but I think it's going to be a really good year. Um, Kelly has a lot of great ideas, so I can't wait to share that all soon. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, it just, it all makes so much sense to partner with every mother counts and to do it mother's day weekend. Okay. I'm going to take a quick break and thank a sponsor for this episode. And that is Poros watch. Guys, I'm digging my Koros watch. I wore it on my run today, my 16 miles. I know you guys are sick of hearing me talk about my 16 mile run, but hey, it's a big deal to me. It's my longest postpartum run after my fourth baby. It's just like one more step in the right direction of feeling like myself again and healthy and fit. And I gotta tell you, I love that watch so much. It's accurate. It picks up, the GPS picks up quick. 
and its features are simple and easy to use. I use it for running, swimming, biking. I am digging that watch. Now, one feature on the watch that I don't use, but some people might think is really cool, my husband uses it, is it tracks your sleep. I don't do it because I don't like to wear things on my wrist when I sleep, but Glenn wears that watch 24 seven. Like he never, literally never takes that watch off. I don't know that he's taken it off since we got that watch. And he has one, I have one. And um, every day he is bragging to me about his sleep stats on that watch. And I don't even wear, I don't even want to know what my sleep stats are, sleep stats are, so I won't even wear it to bed. It's got that cool feature and it tracks like your deep sleep, your light sleep, your awake time. It's pretty cool. So anyway, uh, one thing Coros watch is known for is their battery life. It's amazing. You see so many ultra runners like Camille Heron, Sally McRae using it. And you guys can use it too. So if you go to Coros.com and use the code another, you can get 10% off your order. Highly recommend it. It's my watch. It's my jam. That is what you will find me wearing at all times. So, so that's Coros.com and use the code another for 10% off. One more thing. If you're looking to start a podcast, I'm doing a webinar on Tuesday. I just, I get requests all the time for help, uh, how to start a podcast, how to market a podcast, how to get sponsorships, all this good stuff. And I just thought, you know what? I am going to just do a webinar and give all my knowledge out at once and just share with everybody what I know about podcasting. Uh, it's 50 bucks and it's going to be Tuesday, March 5th. So this coming Tuesday at 8 p.m. If you can't make it right at 8 p.m., uh, we will be saving the video. Uh, my sister Erica, actually, who's a digital and marketing expert, is going to be on the webinar with me teaching about the digital marketing side of things with social media. And um, anyway, if you can't make it, you can still sign up for the webinar and then you can get the video downloaded. And, and with that, it comes a PDF with everything we talked about, all the equipment I use and information about what to put in a media kit and all that good stuff. And then we'll have a private Facebook group you'll have access to as well. So that that's a way you can basically after the webinar follow up and ask any questions you ever wanted to know uh, from me or my sister. So anyway, if you go to the show notes for this episode, lindsayhine.com, go to the show notes for this episode, you can check out more information on the webinar. I will link to that in the show notes. So uh, when you go to my website, lindsayhine.com, uh, the first thing that pops up when you go to my website is to sign up for my newsletter. I am going to be putting a newsletter out about the webinar this weekend. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you will get more information about the webinar as well. Okay, let's go ahead and continue my conversation with Kristen Garzone. So can we talk about your friend, Kristen? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, it's like hard to talk about. I know. So first of all, um, people listening, you're hearing from, I'm a mom of four and I have a six month old, so I'm clearly hormonal right now. But <laughs> um, Kristen, can you kind of talk to us about um your passion for advocating for moms you know who are going through postpartum depression and anxiety and just tell us the story about your friend Kristen so my friend Kristen um just to give you guys kind of a backstory um we actually met Kristen and her husband Mike on our honeymoon in Grenada at a sandals resort um we met them on the second night that we were there and we sat next to them during dinner and 
um, they were celebrating their one year anniversary. And Kristen was just the type of person that we clicked right away. She was like the sister I never had. And, um, you know, so they had actually told us they were pregnant the day that I found out I was pregnant. Um, her daughter is, um, two months older than Ellie. So, and Kristen, like, I I mean, for anyone out there that's listening in that new Kristen, no, she had this infectious personality. She was super sweet. Um, and she just, she wanted nothing more to be a mom. She's just one of the most caring people I've ever met. So, um, you know, I I never really knew what postpartum was and I was struggling, um, most definitely, but I never knew she was, um, until, so we went out, she had Caden in August. I had Ellie in October and we went out, they live in New Jersey and we went out in March to, um, go down to visit them. And, um, I remember we were sitting there eating and I remember just talking about how much I was struggling, you know, just like kind of like talking and whatnot. And I remember her saying to me, you know, like, you look like you have it all together. And to me, that took me back because I was like, oh my God, like this is coming from someone like you who just like, you're perfect. Like you have everything together. And we kind of spent that weekend kind of opening up about how, you know, the struggles and how she was having a really hard time with her job. And it was just the stress of it all. She was a social worker. Um, So, you know, probably a week later, you know, she told me, you know, she texted me and said how happy she was that we talked and that, you know, opened up and all that. And, you know, for me, I just thought she was doing better after that. And um, so unfortunately, um, we were actually at a race, a 5k, and we got the phone call from her husband and talked to his mom. And she had, um, you know, decided to, you know, ended up, obviously, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional now too. But um, it got to a point where I think she just kind of thought she was doing the world a favor when that was the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, Kristen, when I look back on it all, Kristen was the mom that I always wanted to be. I mean, she just was so easygoing. And I remember, you know, we have pictures from that weekend of her with both the girls and she was just such a natural. I was struggling with just holding Ellie and here she is, you know, holding Ellie and her daughter, Kaden, you know, like, oh, our girls, they're going to grow up together. So, you know, it, it, so ever since that happened, um, you know, I felt harder into the postpartum depression that I was in. But, um, you know, I wanted some good to come from it. Um, and I feel like the more I started opening up, the more people started to relate. And, you know, I, I've made it my goal now to, you know, do this in honor of Kristen, because I really do think that's what she would want. She was such a caring amazing person that I think she would want her story to be used to you know help other women out there um I just wish that I could have done more um I wish I knew then what I know now um and I just think that so much more is being talked about now but I know firsthand how lonely it can get and how you can feel like you're doing everything wrong and that you don't matter and that people everyone's better off without you but you know it's so far from the truth and it's just I I never thought something like that in my life would happen and now that it has it has changed my views on life and my life as a whole so much more than I ever thought it would and 
you know, it took me about, Ellie just turned two in October and it took me well over two years, I think, to finally get a grasp on the whole postpartum depression because, you know, losing Kristen, I talked about my article. It's the truth. She, she virtually saved my life. Unfortunately, her losing her life saved my life because it really, it made Steve see the severity of it. Um, he, it made me, it made my friends kind of, not that they weren't looking out for me, but they, I had such an amazing support system. I mean, my, one of my best friends, Aaron, she made the appointment for me to go to the doctor and God bless her because I, for me, the hardest thing was making an appointment. I don't know why. And as soon as I got to my doctor, that's another thing I can't stress. I know I'm rambling right now, but find a doctor that you are comfortable with. My primary is amazing. She's, you know, she has a daughter that's six months older than Ellie and she just, I, I went into her office crying and she just was like, you lost a friend. You had a baby. Like you have every right to feel this way. And to have somebody kind of acknowledge that, um, made it a lot easier. Um, I also, you know, see a therapist who also said that with a history of depression, depression, she would have known that I would have went through something like that. Um, which was also kind of a weight off your shoulders. Um, so I guess, you know, I talk about Kristen a lot. I still, you know, I cry about her a lot. I still don't understand it. I never will understand it. But I guess, you know, the the one amazing thing is, you know, this platform that I have, it's actually, I feel like I'm using it for good to kind of help make her, you know, live out her name and honor her in a way that I know that she would. I mean, as a social worker, she just wanted to help people. So I really do hope that she is happy with what I'm doing in honor of her. And I really do continue to hope that it raises the awareness that um, is finally starting to be realized now. So mm. how is her, is it, does she have a little boy or a little girl? Little girl, Kaden. Um, she is a sweetheart. Um, she's totally Kristen. It's so funny. Um, yeah. So, and it, I mean, it's, it's so surreal seeing Kaden and Ellie together. Mm. Um, do, they, you you know, do you guys see her husband and, and Kaden? You guys, they play together? Yep. Yeah. So we tried to. They live in New Jersey. They came up a couple months ago. We were trying to get down there um, in April. So it's hard. But we do. Um, I talk to Mike's mom a lot, which is great. She sends me pictures. And my husband talks to Mike a lot. So it's good. I do wish we lived closer. But it's pretty cool to see the girls together. Um, very bittersweet, but um, it is pretty amazing. So, so now that we're talking about it, and you know, I feel like I do see a decent amount about it these days. But I just like I feel like people don't know what to do or say when they have a friend or a spouse. So like our husbands, for instance, like, like uh -huh. when my husband sees me like curled up in a ball crying <laughs> on the bed for no reason, like yeah. he, he, he does not understand. He, and, and I don't understand why I feel like that, you know? And so I guess the question is like, what can supporters of someone who just had a baby who not, look, not everybody goes through this. I'm telling you what, my sister has has two kids and she just like got back into the swing of things and was great. And she's someone who has suffered from depression in the past. And she has yeah. just like 
killed it. And I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It seemed like motherhood came so naturally to her. Uh-huh. Um, and I also think people listening might say that maybe it looks like on the outside looking in that it comes naturally to me. It doesn't, though, at all. It really, really doesn't. I might have four kids, but it doesn't come natural <laughs> or easy to me. Um, so what what can we do to support people going through this? So I think um, actually um, back... I want to say it was like six months ago, my husband wrote a post on my Instagram about what it's like, you know, living with somebody that suffers from depression, anxiety. And I think it kind of, you know, it kind of all is together. I mean, Steve, thankfully, has never suffered from any type of mental illness. He'll never understand it. And I think that, you know, for him, I think he he wrote this post and just kind of talked about how sometimes you you're never going to know what to do. And sometimes it's not the right thing to say, or, you know, it's just understanding that something's going on Mm -hmm. and just being supportive that way. Because, you know, you talk about how, you know, you're laying on a bed crying and you have no idea. I mean, two weeks ago, two Friday nights, I laid on the ground for three hours straight and couldn't move. I was hysterically crying. Ellie was at my mom's and Steve was at basketball and I couldn't explain it. And mm. you sometimes you just can't. And then all of a sudden something happens and you feel better. But I mean, I think the best way to support someone is just to keep checking up on them, making sure, you know, asking them if they're OK. I think a lot of the times with new moms, too, a lot of people get into, of course, you want to know how the baby is and you want to know, you know, what did the baby do? Can I have some, you know, but ask how the mom's doing, you know, try to do something that kind of focuses on them um and I think it's hard I don't think people are ever going to realize what you feel but just having somebody that says hey are you doing okay you know or hey it's okay to not be okay which you know a simple or what I like to tell myself now is you know it's not a bad life it's just a bad day sometimes little mantras like that can help or you know, sometimes it's just somebody just acknowledging the fact that, hey, I'm sorry you're going through a hard time, like here if you need anything. I know those are so cliche, but sometimes it's little things like that. Just having somebody that you care about say like, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but you'll get through this or, you know, I'm here for you. That little bit does go a long way. Um, I've had me- people message me, which I think is amazing, talking about what they can do because they see a friend or a sister mm. kind of starting to go through this. And, you know, it's hard because everybody's different. Um, for me, a big step, as I mentioned, my friend Erin, like she made that appointment for me. And that was a big relief because to me, I didn't have to call and make that appointment. I didn't have to explain. She made it for me. And all I had to do was show up, you know, and I don't think it's a bad thing going to see, um, you know, your your doctor and just talking to them. And if you need, you know, I know people could be against medication or whatnot, but for me, like I got back on meds and I carry Xanax with me just in the event. And sometimes having that is kind of just an extra cushion, but it also can help you through like some really, you know, bad moments where your anxiety gets so high that it's crippling and you don't think you're going to make it through another moment. So I guess it's little things like that and, you know, just being there and having them to open up to if they need to. But just I can't say it enough. Um, Be patient, though. And I mean, 
took me a lot of years to even admit the fact that I suffered from depression. So just be patient. Don't get angry. Understand that they can't control it in a way. And if you're a mom out there that at all can relate to anything that I'm saying, like, just know that you're not alone and that you're not messed up for that. And for me, like, I... I feel like I'm going to forever struggle being a mom. I'm just not a natural at it. I feel awkward, but you know what? Like that's it's own who you are and you know, people are still going to love you and you're doing a great job. And you know, it's just, you take it day by day, run the mile you're in. Run the uh, sorry. Mile you're I, in. I spit a lot out. I'm like going all over the place. It's but. good. Well, <laughs> no. And the other thing too is, you know, they, in America, you have your six-week postpartum checkup, and that's a really long time to wait to be checked up on. And um, I know I had a friend who had a baby last year, and she went back way before six weeks because she was not doing okay, and she needed to get on some medication and, like, do something about it. So I think that that's another thing, too, is, like, people are like, oh, well, I'll wait till my appointment. But there's nothing that says you can't call and come in sooner. Exactly. And I I do remember after I had Ellie and my doctor was leaving, you know, she said, okay, I'll see you in six weeks. Call me if you need anything. And looking back now, like I probably should have called and went in, but I didn't know I needed to come in. So I think in a way though, that is where a lot more needs to be done where, and I know like doctors are being a lot better where, you know, I just heard recently from a friend that they called every week, which I think is great just talking to the mom, because then maybe that'll can kind of see like, oh, maybe you should come in if you're feeling like this. But, you know, you go from having visits every week at the end of your pregnancy to then, oh, see you in six weeks, totally. you know, just pop this human out, like, you know, we'll see you then. So I do think that a lot more needs to be done. And I think people are taking precautions now. Um, but, you know, that's where just like, a society like it needs to get better like we need to have more you know follow-up visits and have it be covered by insurance um you know little little things like that um I also um I've talked about this before um but um not here but I think I've mentioned it on my Instagram where you know I had a history of depression anxiety which was in my file you know before I had Ellie so when we were leaving, you have all these forms you have to fill out. And they had me just fill out a special form relating to depression and anxiety. However, it was just basically a form that said, you know, um, you know, please call if you, you know, are having troubled thoughts that are not, it seemed more looking back, like kind of like a liability form, like releasing liability totally. from that, not something being, you know, so, you know, you do read of programs that um, people are working hard on and trying to implement about like screenings and stuff like that. And I think that's great. It's just, you know, women need more help, though. I mean, there's a lot of talks now about people having midwives and doulas and like nurses that can come to your house. Like, I, honestly, if I could have had somebody come and check up on me maybe once a week. Like that would have maybe saved me just somebody that understood what I was going through, like having a baby and kind of like helping me, you know, talk through stuff. I think that would go such a long way. I know there's a lot of other, you know, factors behind not being able to do all those things and, you know, everything's a business and whatnot. But I do think that a lot more needs to be done for new moms um, to help, you know, succeed. I mean, so... 
yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and if you are a friend of someone who just had a baby, like, don't just go over and sit on their couch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, let's just say that right now. Like, uh-huh. don't just go over and sit. First, show up with Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. Definitely show up with <laughs> Starbucks. Um, I don't need gifts for my baby, but, like, you could literally, and you have to force the person, but you could literally say, will you please go lay down for 45 minutes and I'll just stay, stay out here. Like, because nobody's going to willingly do that. And it's kind of awkward unless you're really good friends (laughs) with them. But like, say I'm literally just here to give you like some space. So I don't need you to talk to me. Just like go lay down for a little bit. And I remember just having friends coming over and just being like, I just want to hold her. I'll hold her. And I was just like, in my mind, I was like, thank God. Like, you know, like, and I honestly, I never knew, like, and this is bad. So I'm an only child. I didn't grow up around a lot of babies. Actually, like, I barely held newborn babies. Ellie was the first diaper I've ever changed when I was home from the hospital. Oh, that's so, crazy. Um, So I never realized that, like, and it's so dumb looking back on now, but I never realized, like, bringing food would is, like, the best thing you can do. Oh, totally, to, yeah. like. So now I'm like, oh, my God, all the people that brought me food or even like booze, like, you know, people like just bringing a glass, like a bottle of wine, like so bottle of wine, frozen pizza, whatever. Yep. It goes a very long way. So, um, yeah. So it's crazy. It's funny the things that you don't realize until afterwards. So, yeah, I feel like my husband and I, even though we weren't young, I mean, we were 29 when we had um, our first and so we weren't young. We weren't old. We were just like right there where, you know, in the middle. Yeah. And, uh-huh. but I still feel like we were one of the first of all of our friends to have babies. So I kind of like looking back to when I had Marshall, I kind of just felt, feel like I was like pretty alone. Like I didn't know what to do. And, um, my sister had a baby and I had my mom and, you know, whatever. But I just, I still felt like in my sea of friends, I was the only one. And I felt like nobody could understand or relate to what I was going through. Um, I was also in two weddings. Like I was in a wedding four weeks postpartum and then another one eight weeks postpartum. I know. And looking back, I'm like, holy cow. (laughs) I, and it's funny that you bring that up because, um, my, one of my best friends, um, since kindergarten, Carolyn, um, she was maid of honor in my wedding, matron of honor. And she, her baby was probably now you'll get a kick out of this. We grew up together. We grew up going to Cape Cod every summer. Both of our families went. Um, We went to Cape Cod for my um, bachelorette party. Now, Carolyn, she's she's amazing because my baby shower or my bridal shower was a week post one postpartum for her. Oh, wow. She came with the baby. My my (laughs) bachelorette party was then two weeks after. So she's three weeks. She came with the baby <gasps> to your bachelorette party <laughs> there it's it's hysterical so now looking back there's group pictures of us I mean we're all hammered she's not and we're holding this baby it was I mean it was amazing like only she could do this and like you know she did say to me like hey I'm gonna miss it or I'll bring the baby and it to me like it was amazing that she was there and then you know she's like six seven weeks postpartum or seven weeks postpartum and she's in my wedding like it was amazing so I mean, power to her. I mean, she's just, she's an amazing person. But, you know, me looking back and thinking I can 
can I do something like that? There's no way in hell I could ever do something like that. I would have lost my mind. So <laughs> power to both of you. So I, well, um, I don't know that I would do it now <laughs> like postpartum after f- baby four or whatever yeah. <laughs> even a little bit older but I know kind of looking back it's like well maybe it was just good that I didn't know any better you know I was just kind of like I'm just gonna keep moving forward here because everybody else is still living their lives so I'm just gonna yeah. show up on zero sleep and 110 percent anxiety exactly. and just plow on through yeah I think And I think that is hard, though, where like, you know, I talk about Carolyn, how she could do these things where, you know, for me, I felt like it was a battle just like getting through the day. And it just kind of goes to show you how, you know, just because one person can do one thing and the other can't like there's no like good. There's no like, oh, someone's way better than this other person. It's just kind of how we are as people and how we can roll with the punches and kind of be so. And I think that's hard where I think with and I know I'm kind of going off tangent, but it kind of has to do with this. Like I'm a big believer in social media. Like I love it obviously, but I also think the bad in it is you get caught up in the comparison game, you know, that somebody's doing this and I can't do this yet. Or, you know, this person's running, you know, this pace at four weeks postpartum and I can't even walk at four weeks postpartum. Um, So I think it's kind of, it's amazing that people can do these things, but also, you know, if you're, down in the gutter right now and you feel like you can't even do anything right like you'll get there it's just everybody's different unfortunately can I wish I could roll with the punches better it's I'm just not built like that so well in the postpartum game like coming back to running postpartum I it's it's different every baby first of all and Every human is different. Every person is different. Like you could be a 245 marathoner and it could take you longer than someone that's a 330 marathoner, you know, to, to get back to feeling physically okay to run those miles again. And I see it now. I mean, I am six months postpartum and I'm running real slow and I'm not running very far very often. um, Yeah. For me. And when I see people running like the distances I'm running now and they're like, eight weeks postpartum, I'm like, what the what is going on? <laughs> um, but it's kind of like, well, the same way that I shouldn't be comparing myself to them, I also shouldn't be judging them. Like, you do you. If you want to go run an eight-minute mile, six weeks postpartum, <laughs> and that feels good, then you go feel good doing that. I'm going to keep my slow little snail pace and, like, get back to where I need to be at in my own time, you know? Exactly. And it's kind of funny that like you say that about like, you know, like you said, like if you're running that fast at eight weeks, like don't get mad about it. Like it's just I feel like in a way like and I've been there like you get kind of jealous and you're like, what? How are they doing? that? Why don't I feel that good? Exactly. But then it kind of like and that's where I think a lot of like, you know, jealousy, unfortunately, can be a good thing or a bad thing. Like, you know, there's been times where, you know, my friend Tiffany, soccer runner, she um, her, her daughter is my goddaughter. And she just turned seven months today. I mean, Tiffany, she's working her ass off, but she naturally, I feel like got her speed. Like she's just fast. Yeah. Um, and so there were times where I'm like, Oh my God, how is she running this fast at like, you know, at two months postpartum, but it's just, it's amazing. Like, you know, and I think, you know, you should give props to people like that rather than, you know, kind of keep in that jealousy or like, oh, man, she could do that. I couldn't do that. You know, again, everybody's completely different. And um, for me, like, 
it hurt like hell to run up until about nine months. I felt like, you know, like everything was going to fall out and it just <laughs> hurt. So like everyone's so different. And, you know, I think power to those women, if you're like Tiffany, that can kind of come back and run their hearts out and it feels good and fast, like power to you, like don't let anyone bring you down for that. But also if you're, you know, six months postpartum and you're struggling and you're not running far, like, yeah, that's frustrating, I'm sure. But you're doing your own thing and your comeback's going to be just as good as anybody else's. So I think that's what kind of is amazing about Instagram is that it's everyone gets to share a part of their story and what, you know, they go through to make their story that significant and their triumphs that much more, you know, to be proud of, you know, I love hearing people's background story. And I love hearing about people's, you know, comeback and goals. And I've always just been a fan of being an underdog, which I kind of look at postpartum running as being an underdog, because you just had this thing happen to you. And you know, you're fighting your way back. And it's your own process. And nobody can take that away from you. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, it's really, it's actually fun once you get back to a place where you feel like yourself again a little bit and you're not like carrying an extra 25 pounds still. It's like, it's fun to play the game of getting back into shape. But man, everybody's life circumstances are different. I mean, I'm just like, this time around, I'm just, I have a lot more than I'm juggling. Like, not just like logistically with all the kids, but just like emotionally and physically just... It's a lot. So you know what? Like it's probably going to take me 18 months before I'm back to where I was. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, God, you have four four kids. I can't even imagine like power to you that you're running at all because. Well, we have to stay sane, right? So we have to run. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But you know, it's everything. And those, you know, those juggling factors are hard. I mean, I, I just had glaucoma surgery in October and, you know, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk around the block. I couldn't carry things. I couldn't run for a couple months. And, you know, I gained about 15 pounds and now getting back, you know, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be great. I'll like shed the weight and like, you know, I'll get back into shape and I'll be back into um, my marathoning self. But honestly, like I forgot about the aches and pains, you Mm -hmm. know, like your legs and your hips carrying that extra amount of weight and just things not feeling right so it's kind of even if you're not coming back from postpartum if you're coming back from an injury or just something else it's it's crazy how these little things can make such a big difference in like coming back um which is why I really do think every training cycle no matter what you're training for is so special because you kind of look back and you see what you battled or what you had to get through in order to get to that you know finish line so Um, Okay, before we move to the end of the podcast questions, anything else you want to say to honor your friend, Kristen? I just, I want to say thank you to everybody out there who continues to follow my story, like read my Instagram post and like share so much love. Because honestly, you know, I, I, I was in the depths of postpartum depression, and I really didn't think I'd ever get out of it. And a lot of starting to share about my struggles, you know, after losing Kristen, um, it was very therapeutic, but also it was very stressful to do. It was scary putting myself out there. So, you know, for all these people, my friends and my family, you know, and then people, these strangers on Instagram that have come to be such amazing friends, like I can't thank 
all of you enough because you guys being so supportive and so receptive to the story and just sharing your stories and being so supportive has just pushed me to keep opening up. Um, which I think, you know, I was first diagnosed with depression at the age of 21 and I probably had it well before that, but you know, I spent a lot of my life kind of trying to hide the fact that I suffered from mental illness and trying to put up this perfect front and to be able to now kind of open up who I am and talk about my struggles and people, you know, supporting that has been amazing. And I think it's just, if you're struggling, like, I know it's easier said than done to talk about it, but I just want everyone to know, like, you're not alone. And I really, I still can't believe I got through the first two years, but you know, what happens, you just take it day by day. And so that's it. And I just want to really, like I said, thank everybody because it's amazing. The support, the runners community in general, and then on social media is just, it's, it's unheard of. It's such a cool group of people that it's just amazing. So I will forever be grateful for that. So love it. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Instagram is it can be, it can be a really supportive community and it, and it, it, I mean, I can honestly say that I do feel like if I needed help for some reason, there would be strangers I have never met before that would be willing to help me from Instagram. And that, that's pretty cool. It goes such a long way. And that's like, I just got chills because it, it is amazing. I have met some of my best friends now, thanks to Instagram. Um, I mean, um, Jenny runs the world, Jenny kitchen. We were due on the same day and her son's a week younger or yeah, a week younger than Ellie. And it's amazing because we spent so much time just texting each other because we were going through the same things together. And this is someone, you know, Jenny's from Philly and I would have never met her if it wasn't for Wazelle and Instagram. So it's amazing. The people that you can, connect to. Um, and I've met so many other of my really good friends through that, that I can't imagine my life, you know, without. Um, so, and us runners, we're all a little crazy, but you know, you go on a run with someone and you can just bear your soul. And like, it's like, you've known each other your whole life. So it's a really cool community and I'm forever thankful for every single person. I wish I could name you all. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Yes. So Oh, that's so great. All right. So um, Every Mother Counts, your marathon is May 11th. And if we wanted to sign up to be a part of the virtual race, is that up yet? Like, what do we need to do to be a part of that? Um, So we're going to end up posting the race by the end of March. Um, Every Mother Counts will put it on their website. I'll be posting about it. Kelly will be posting about it. Um, If you could share it with your viewers, that would be great, too. Um, But yeah, anyone can get involved. There'll be distances of 5K, a 10K, a half, and a marathon. If you're not running or walking, you could just donate as well, and all the money goes to Every Mother Counts. So, um, And it's Run to Believe, and the hashtag is Run to Believe KNT if you want to check out some posts from last year. so. And this is honoring your friend Kristen. What was Kristen's last name? Uh, Kristen Thorson. She's from New Jersey. Okay. This is for Kristen. I'm going to, I'm going to donate when we get off the call. Oh, you're the best. Thank you. That means so much. All right, Kristen, what is one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? Professionally? 
I would love to one day go back to school for my MBA. Okay. Not sure how, but you you saying your husband went back, that's amazing. So you can do hard things, Kristen. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Personally, I would love to go back to this is like long off, but I would love to go back to Buffalo, maybe and run a marathon with my daughter one day. Oh, I love that. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. I hope one of my kids wants to run a marathon with me. (laughs) I feel yeah. we joke all the time that Ellie's gonna hate running because we have a run ink design um, marathon map from that Buffalo marathon hanging in her um, room. So I'm always like, she's going to hate running. Like, <laughs> be like, who cares, mom? So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have to stick to 5Ks, at least you can do a 5K with her. Exactly. <laughs> um, what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Personally, um, I think graduating college while suffering depression. Um, I was, my senior year was one of the loneliest times in my life. And I think the fact that I ended up graduating um, in 2008 when I was shut up is a big accomplishment. Um, maybe one day I'll open up about that story, but for now, that's my accomplishment. Um, my running accomplishment, I would say, is finishing my fifth marathon, 20 weeks pregnant with Ellie. Yeah, so. I've never done that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't think I could ever do it again, so I'm glad that I have that with her. But yeah, if we ever, it. Yeah, if we ever have, like, another kid, I, I have no idea, but... I, that kid, I would never run again, a marathon at 20 weeks. It's just really hard. So I can't imagine doing it with another kid running around, but you never know. Never say never. Right. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, and what would you say to someone who might be in college right now suffering from depression? The thing is, is college is such a hard time. You're away from home. You're on your own. Um, honestly, if you're suffering from depression, go and get help in some way. Um, go to your local, I think they have like the health you know, clinics or whatnot. I think I was so afraid to just admit that I had depression because I didn't understand what was going on. Tell someone, tell your parents, um, tell a good friend, just somebody and just know that you're not alone. And honestly, looking back, I think a lot more people had depression in college than you think it's a big transition period in your life. So, um, you know, just do what's best for you um, and know that you'll make it through. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Okay. So I am not going – I'm going to pick somebody totally random because I always tell people that, like, this is who I'd want. And I'm not getting political, but George W. Bush. He is, like – it's so weird. But he is one of my most favorite people. I'm so, like – I love reading about him. I just think he – you know, he – he's a fun person. He's a drinker. He owned a baseball team. So I've always said like, if I could get a drink with anyone, it would be him. He just knows how to kind of make fun of himself and he can be who he is. So I just saw, I just saw today this morning on the today show that his daughter, Jenna Bush Hager is taking Kathy Lee's spot on. Yes. (laughs) I saw that too. It's just, I don't know what it is. Like, and like I said, it's not like, I I don't get political, but it's right. just like he, I just think like their family is just like, oh yeah, it's this crazy family. And he just like, if you, I mean, I've spent way too much time like YouTubing like videos of him, like <laughs> fun of himself because he's just so goofy. So, um, but yeah, so that's my random thing. But I think a lot of people that know me know my weird love for George W. Bush. So. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. Nice family. <laughs> <laughs> um what 
is the best, most recent book you've read? So I would love to get into reading more. Um, but the best book I read was when in August, when we were at Cape Cod, it took me probably a little over 24 hours to read. Wow. It is called, yeah, it's called The Art of Racing in the Rain. Oh, I've it's read like, it. Oh, God. So I'm such a dog lover. But, you know, for people that don't know, it's a book, you know, told from a dog's point of view um, about being a human. You know, it's got love in it. It's got tragedy. It's got redemption. And it's just I I loved it. And like I cried like it's just amazing. So and I'm a big dog lover. I have a golden retriever, Troy, who's four, who's my pride and joy. So I just felt like when I was reading it, I could like see like Troy, like being the dog telling the story. So I love that. That's a good book. I haven't read it in a long time, but I think I read it five or six years ago. It's good. It is really good. Yeah. I think it came out like back in like 2007 or eight or something like that. So it's been around for a while, but yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Kristen, what's one message you'd like to send to the world? To own who you are. No matter, you know, I, I find more times now that I am like, I'm crazy. I'm a little out of my mind. You know, I always tell my husband, like, why do you love me? I am like that shit. But at the end of the day, just own who you are and embrace your faults and be proud of the person you are no matter what, because I'm a big believer that all the hard things that you get through in life and all the times you fall down and struggle through things, it just makes you more of who you are. So own who you are always own who you are good I love it stop apologizing oh no now we're promoting Rachel Hollis's new book girl stop apologizing <laughs> no I didn't mean that okay she doesn't it. need more promotion she's no, got it going on exactly yeah talk about a girl that's owning it that's exactly though that's who true you are without apologizing yeah it's amazing good so. point good point yeah oh Kristen well I have so enjoyed getting to know you more through this conversation Thank you so much for having me. I mean, this was amazing. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity. Uh, Thank you. I'm putting you out Friday. So here we go. We're rolling with it. Oh, so excited. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Kristen, for sharing your story and sharing a little bit about Kristen's life with us. Uh, I... I'm heading over to donate to your fundraiser for Every Mother Counts right now. I will put the link to donate for everybody else if anybody's interested in supporting Kristen in this in the show notes, lindsayhine.com. Hey, let's connect elsewhere, you guys. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And I'm also on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. If you're looking for more content for me, you can find that on my Patreon page. I just... Guys, I think I put out the best Patreon episode or one of the best Patreon episodes I've ever done with returning guest, Christy Beth Adams. She was the second guest ever on this podcast. And we had a about 40, 45 minute chat yesterday. And I pumped it out last night before I went to bed. And man, she had so many great things to say. She owns three fleet feats in Nashville and is the mom of two. She talks about uh, healthy co-parenting with her husband who she divorced from about four years ago and and what it looks like to have a healthy co-parenting relationship with him and and her running goals and her work goals and her relationship goals and she's a wealth of knowledge so if you want to hear episodes like that from returning guests and 
and so much more bonus content from guests that are on this show. You can, and, and episodes with my husband, Glenn, you can support the show over on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hyde, and that's just a way to help support the show, get into your ears every single week on Friday. It's a way to, to get behind the uh, content and the, the effort and the work that I'm putting into bringing you guys this show every week. I appreciate you guys so much. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for being here today and have a great Friday. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.